One thing I do know is that you can try to tell them whatever you want and they're not going to listen to a single thing. But if you show them something and they see you doing it, that's when it's really going to sink in. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this guy. Not only is he a Hall of Fame member in the NFL, but he's a Hall of Fame dad, none other than Joe Thomas. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's my pleasure to be on your show. Looking forward to chat with you about your mindset and everything about getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're going to talk a little about football and a bunch of other good things, man. Even though you retire from the NFL, you're doing so many great things. It's a great way, a great example of showing your kids that, you know, you retire from one job, but you're still doing a lot of great things. But when you found out you were going to be a dad, Joe, what was going through your mind? Like for the first time when you found out you're going to get on the journey of fatherhood, what was going through your mind? Yeah, I was ecstatic. Um, My wife and I, we'd been trying for a little while. It wasn't like, you know, years and years, but we knew that we wanted to start a family and we were very excited about it. And I'll never forget that moment when I found out and my wife told me because she took a pregnancy test and we were actually going to her high school, like 10 year reunion at the time uh, that night. And so she called me downstairs and she was like, Hey, honey, I got something. I just want to show you real quick. And of course she had it like hidden behind her back and I came in and she just pulls it out. And, you know, of course, as a guy, it takes you like at least it felt like two minutes to figure out what was going on. But in reality, it was probably like 30 seconds, which was still like 30 seconds too long, knowing that we're trying to start a family and uh, it's a pregnancy test. But uh, good thing I hadn't really had to read a lot of those up until that point in my life. Um, But once obviously we found out she was pregnant, the waterworks started. And it became the most challenging secret to keep from all of her high school friends that we had to hang out with all night then and not tell anybody that she was pregnant. Joe, I love that for a lot of reasons, but also like it's kind of flipping the script. We're up in New Hampshire uh, visiting family, but it was also my uh, high school year reunion. And I was on a treadmill at (laughs) at the hotel because it was funny. It was like a like my family from Buffalo was visiting my, my family in New Hampshire. So like the room of the inn was full. So my wife and I were like, Oh, we'll just get a hotel room. We're fine. Whatever. <laughs> and so I'm running the treadmill. Wife comes out, opens up like, you know, her hand and shows it. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't fall yeah. off the treadmill, but I'm like, I did yeah. the emergency stop. I'm like, that's yes. amazing. So yeah, it was yeah. kind of uh when you mentioned that moment, I'm like, that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah. So of course, just with people knowing your career and obviously all the things you're doing after your NFL career, Hard work, determination are probably values you're looking to instill into your kids. And it was such a lovely moment that, I, you know, when your wife knew that there was going to be a knock at the door, but your, you and your kids had no idea. Mm-hmm. And just having that moment of all of that hard work, all of that determination be rewarded to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and just having your family and loved ones around you. Talk about some of the values you're looking to instill into them. Well, you mentioned hard work, loyalty, commitment, like finishing what you started. All those things are values that take to be a good football player. I think about, you know, be on time, pay attention, work hard, be good at the things that take no talent. Like those are the things that allow you to have success in athletics, success in football. But I think those are also life skills that I think it's really important as a mom or a dad to try to do your best to instill in your children a lot of those values were 
given to me as a great gift from my parents passed down from probably their parents and, and their parents, parents, and the same thing with my wife. Um, but one thing I will say is as uh, I get further and further into fatherhood and my oldest daughter's 10 right now, one thing I do know is that you can try to tell them whatever you want and they're not going to listen to a single thing, but if you show them something and they see you doing it, that's when it's really going to sink in. And so I think, for me, as a, a former football player getting into the Hall of Fame, and now that they're starting to get to that age where they're starting to hear stories, they're starting to see videos, they're seeing me going to the Hall of Fame, they're hearing some of the hallmarks of what made me a Hall of Fame player. Like you mentioned, you know, lo loyalty, showing up on time, commitment to his teammates, working hard, being good at the little things, being willing to work a little bit harder than the next man. Like, I don't tell them about those things. They see them. And I think that's how they absorb and then want to emulate what their dad was doing. No doubt, man. And, and, you know, also too, you know, walking the walk, uh, you can talk the talk, but as long as you're walking the walk, that's a great thing. And they'll, and you lead by example. You're also leading by example with another good thing too, with using your knowledge. So using everything that you learned to, you know, strength training and gyms and working with athletic trainers and all that. And we see nowadays, like, you see this probably more than I do, but like, you know, I have two daughters and we're, you know, I see a lot of people around me and their families like center on one sport. Let's just do soccer all year round. And when I was growing up, you had like, you know, you played basketball, football, baseball, and you were just doing different sports and exercising different muscles. Right. One of the things you're doing after your NFL career is you're setting up these youth gyms, man. And that's another great way to show your kids like, hey, I'm using the knowledge from one uh, life experience and putting it to another to help other people. Talk a little bit about those youth gyms, man. Yeah, it's been really awesome finding purpose in business, in the business world. First of all, when I retired uh, or towards the end of my career, I got involved with Mission Barbecue, which is uh, a mission or it's a barbecue chain throughout america but i got specifically involved in the midwest barbecue joints um and that's been a lot of fun learning the business learning franchising um feeding people and one of the missions there is giving back to military first responders police emt firefighters those type of people um and so it kind of gives you a dual purpose right like learning business creating jobs but also trying to give back uh to some of the heroes in america and then since I've moved back to Madison after I retired, I got involved with some youth gyms uh, with one of my former strength coaches at Wisconsin. And now we're trying to expand that footprint. And the model is the same, like learning and understanding the business, providing a service to these athletes, but also giving myself purpose every day, like feeling that as a football player who played 11 years in the NFL, ended up in the Hall of Fame, who played college for four years. Like I've got a wealth of knowledge that I've built up that is very valuable to a lot of people. And to just keep that inside, I think it's, it's a tragedy on both ends. Like the people that could have that information that could make them better, they don't get it. But then also like part of me is my identity as a football player and my ability to coach and teach and use that to make other lives better. And so it's been really fun as we're starting to open up more of these youth gyms called Sports Advantage to be able to make a difference in those communities, training athletes, not just training like a football player or a volleyball player or a basketball player, but we're just trying to train athletes. We're trying to prevent injuries before they happen so that as the kids get a little bit older, which is what I think is the best way to do it. Like once they reach maybe late high school, college, then you can focus in on getting much better at the skill sets that are involved in one specific sport. And you can push the other sports to the side, 
But I think when you're a young player, to be able to maximize your growth in any sport, playing multiple sports is the best way to go because you become a broad-based athlete that's good at everything. You have hand-eye coordination, you have quickness, you have explosiveness, you have strength endurance, you have absolute strength. You can jump, you can sprint. Like you're building the battery as big as possible. And then at the end, then you fine tune it a little bit with more of those, that skill development, but the skill development is just a very small part about being great in any certain sport. And the biggest issue, the biggest part of it is trying to become the best physical athlete you possibly can. And then let the coaches, once they have that elite knowledge, when you get to the college or NFL level to kind of hone some of that stuff in. No doubt. And, you know, you mentioned mission barbecue. That's, that's awesome. Especially like paying it forward and helping people uh, get jobs. Cooking with your kids, and you said your oldest is 10. So I know yeah. this is going to hit home close up. Like, cooking is tough. And I, I'm guessing, especially, you know, with getting into, you know, Mission Barbecue and all that stuff and liking and enjoying, you know, the idea of cooking and stuff. Do you find cooking with your kids is an easier way for them to taste food that maybe they wouldn't eat if they, oh, yeah. like, they, you ask your kids, what do you want? Chicken nuggets, pizza. But if, like, yeah. cooking stuff with them, they'll yeah. probably be more like, for my, just from my experience, my kids, if they make something with me, they'll be more prone to eat it. So how do you like kind of work that food dynamic with your kids? And we're the same way too, right? If you make a dinner, you know, like the sweat equity that went into it. And so you're going to eat it, even if it doesn't taste the absolute best. But if somebody else makes you dinner and brings it over and it's not perfect, it doesn't look great. You're like, man, eh, I don't know. I'm not that hungry. And the kids are the same, just more so like, that's a great saying. And I feel like it works with kids a lot is like, they're like everybody else, only more so. They're going to be very, very picky, like just like some of your picky friends, only more so. But one of the things that I love to do is getting the kids in the kitchen, but you just can't have any expectations. Like you can't be, all right, we have friends coming over and we got to have a dinner ready at five o'clock and it has to be good. Like, don't do that if you want to have kids help you. But you can really get some awesome enjoyment of being in the kitchen. Like we do it a lot of times on Saturday or Sunday morning when it's kind of a lazy morning. We don't have really anything to do for a while. And the kids love breakfast. Like most kids really enjoy breakfast. So it's like, all right, Jack's up early. Hey, buddy, do you want to make pancakes for the rest of the family? You want to make some scrambled eggs? And you give them an opportunity to actually do a lot of those things because they're pretty easy tasks as long as you're there to kind of help them and make sure that when the messes are made, they're not just like, exponentially exploded because he doesn't pick up the flour that falls on the ground and then the eggshells that fall on the eggshells and then he walks through the kitchen. So like you're kind of there to help, of course, but I think that they get a lot more out of doing stuff with you as a dad rather than just watching you or just going and like watching a game or something like that, which is, those are still great moments to connect. But when you can find something that you can do together, like with my kids, they all know how to make uh eggs scrambled eggs um they know how to like obviously make like toast and butter it and and some of them, the little ones can even go do that themselves um omelets like and then we tried to take all right what do they really like which is a tortilla like every kid loves a tortilla all right <laughs> How do we take that and make it into like a somewhat healthier dinner option that they can make or that I can help them make that they really enjoy? And so we came up with these little concepts called taco bombs because we wanted to make them sound cool. And <laughs> most kids like tacos. So basically, it's pretty simple and, it, and you can use anything, right? We just take shredded cheese. We put it in a nonstick pan till, till it starts to melt. 
and then we'll take a tortilla and you press it right on top of it, right? So the cheese starts to melt into the tortilla. You flip it over and then now you have your palate. You can put whatever you want in there. A lot of times we'll just put ground beef in there, but you can put like pulled chicken. You could put fish sticks. You could put chicken nuggets. You can put whatever you want in there. And then a lot of times they want a sauce. So we put a little Chick-fil-A sauce in there, no matter what the protein is. Usually Chick-fil-A <laughs> sauce is the answer. Uh, and then we just kind of roll it together uh, like a little mini burrito. And then you put the seam side down for like 20 seconds on the pan and it kind of holds it in there. And then you can cut it in half if you want, or you leave it like that. And then every kid got to develop their own taco bomb, their own flavor. Like, what yeah. is it? Right. So one of my kids really likes BLTs. So we didn't put the lettuce in there, but it's, uh, you know, it's bacon, it's cheese, it's uh, a little bit of diced tomato, uh, and then it's in the taco bomb with a little bit of mayo or Chick-fil-A sauce, of course. And then we named it after the kid, you know, they named it the Lolo bomb. And then, you know, Jack has the Jack bomb. And so everybody like feels a little bit of ownership. They know how to make it. And then they get excited when it's on the menu and you can kind of count on them actually eating something for once. Such oh man, and I, you know what? That, that was almost like a dad hack or a piece of advice you'd ask the new dad <laughs> or just parents. There you go. So we're gonna yep. skip that question because I think like cooking with your kids, we kind of like talked about that. I love that. Like with um, I remember my wife went somewhere. I think she had a girls' weekend or whatever, and my kids and I let's make some pancakes, and we made s'mores pancakes. Like the awesome more what like the the graham cracker was just the pancake, but we put marshmallows and chocolate chips. Yeah. In it. it was great. I put it on social media. My friends like. Did you brush your teeth after? I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you don't do it all the time, but it was just yeah. fun to do. Um, yeah, just a great way to connect. And one of the other things we love to do is, is make your own pizza night. Like all I do is I'll just put the pizza dough out and then I'm like, you can use whatever you guys want. And so of course we usually end up with like Pringles, uh, M&Ms, chocolate chips. Maybe there's some cheese and some pepperonis, but I'm like, that's fine. Like you did something yourself, you created it. And I think just kind of teaching them the joy of being able to create their own food, to create something, put it in the oven and then bring it out and you eat it and you say what you like, say what you didn't like. But like, that's just a great process. I think that has a lot of carryover and a lot of, a lot of other aspects in life. And it's just great one-on-one -on -one time with your kids. No doubt. One more question before we kind of talk about some other things, something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad, but they brought it out in you. Mm. Um, I think the cooking was a big part of it, but, uh, because I really didn't cook at all. I, I joked with my wife that I didn't know how to boil water until my fourth daughter was born because I was playing in the NFL Yeah. for my first three. Uh, my wife's a great cook. So she would always handle that when we came home and I was too tired to really think about it. Um, but then I retired, we moved back to Wisconsin and we had number four and we, so we had like five, three, one and a newborn. Like we had a lot of children stacked in there. Uh, and basically I, the baby was born and she grabbed the pot and just threw it at me. She goes, you're it. It's your turn. You got to figure out how to cook. And I'm like, Oh crap. So I ended up doing a lot of YouTubing, but the good news is I did like to eat a lot. So I had a broad palette for things I enjoyed. And then I just kind of started watching people on YouTube, watching Instagram and getting like inspiration and then just trying different techniques and kind of learning some basic techniques and then just applying it in different ways. And then I just write it down in like a big notebook I had. Um, and then you start bringing the kids in and doing things like that. But I would say maybe a tip that I really thought about and I've been sharing with my other dad friends, especially the new ones, is that the scoreboard in life of fatherhood is a one-to-one -one ratio of time spent with your kid 
it's easy to think that, okay, I'm going to take him to, like, we were just at the Super Bowl because I got inducted into the Hall of Fame. So we took him to the Super Bowl. We were in a suite. We saw Rihanna at halftime. Like, as an adult mind, we're thinking, because a lot of times our value of what the time spent with the kids is, all right, how much time did that spend? How much money did that cost? Like, <laughs> you're thinking those things. And, like, how cool is it for you to be able to give that experience? And so you think, like, their emotional response and their memories of that are going to be so much better than anything else that they've done the whole year. But that's not the case. It's just the time that you're with them because you never know when some conversation is going to come up when they're going to go, hey, dad, you know, I heard this at school. What does that mean? Or like, mm. what? how did you get into the Hall of Fame? You know, what, what made you a good football player? You never know when those conversations are going to pop up because if you force it and you start it, they're not going to listen. But when you're just hanging out together, just doing whatever, all of a sudden they start asking those questions. Then they're the sponge. Then they're making those memories that they remember. And uh, the example I'll give is, we, like I said, we were at the Super Bowl. We went to Rihanna. It was amazing. Like, I just got in the Hall of Fame. I was on cloud nine. Everything was surreal. And then the next weekend, my four-year-old and I, we just walked to the little pond that's down the road from where our farm is. And we didn't even go fishing. Like she was just picking out weeds and putting them into like a bowl and pretending she was a chef making a seaweed salad. But I was just there for her. Like I didn't have cell service. So I didn't have like my phone out and we were just hanging out. And I had nothing to do. I had no expectations. And she came back and, and my wife asked her like, Hey, what was the best thing we've done in the last month? And she goes, you know, when daddy and I went down to the pond and I made seaweed salad, I'm like, you mean it wasn't that Super Bowl that we just went to? Like, <laughs> That was kind of cool, right? Just, no, it was it was making you seaweed salad. And to me, that just it proves like you just got to spend time with them because you never know when the opportunity to make an impact or a memory with them is going to pop up. And it's impossible as an adult brain to consider what those most memorable moments are going to be 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And so you just got to spend the time with them no matter what it is. 100% agree with you. Yeah, I love that. And like, you know, I wrote an article about like, even though you might be like, you know, Uber dad driving your kids to different events, that's the time you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. With them. And you just kind of like the music's off and you're just like, hey, you know, how are things going? Or they they will initiate. I love that. And it's funny. Yeah. You go to the Super Bowl, he goes to Rihanna. But like the best thing is like, do you remember we got M&Ms from the vending machine at the hotel? Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. You're like, what? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and that's why you just got to, you just got to. Do things with them, spend time with them as much as you can because you have no no idea that the M&Ms at the hotel are going to be way cooler than than going to the Super Bowl game. Again, you know, we were mentioned uh, about the Hall of Fame and, you know, Super Bowl weekend just for you. It must have been a whirlwind. But now that you had some time to digest and, like, let it – I'm guessing it's still sinking in. But, like, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that's listening to different, you know, shows you've been on and before you even got in, people like you're, you're a, of course, you're a no brainer to get in and all that. And you love, and it's nice to hear that. Right. But you're like, that's great. But the people who are voting aren't, aren't telling me that you guys are yeah. you finally get in and all that blood, sweat and tears that go into it. Mm -hmm. Is there like one, maybe not a season or a, a game or something, but like, I know it's a long road, but like for you, when you're looking back on this, when did when did like what season or if at all did you start thinking like man there's a chance i can get in the hall of fame and now reflecting back on that you just like did you kind of think about that season or when that first idea came mm -hmm. in your mind like am i good enough to get in the hall of fame people around me are saying i am people mm -hmm. are saying like the stats are great and all this other stuff mm -hmm. but like 
when you was there a moment that you can reflect back on where you almost thought like hey i have a chance to get in so around year seven or eight in the nfl i made seven or eighth pro bowl um and then you start stacking yourself up against other guys at your position that are in the hall of fame. And you start noticing, okay, there are offensive tackles with seven pro bowls with eight pro bowls that did make the hall of fame. So it's starting to become a realistic possibility. Like I still got more work to do, but I'm on the right path. And then I think in my 10th season, I made my 10th straight pro bowl, which was the first time in NFL history that an offensive lineman had made 10 straight pro bowls. And then I knew like that resume is pretty strong. It'd be tough to keep somebody out who did that and had that accomplishment that was eligible for the hall of fame. And then on top of that, uh, the eight all pros that I made, I know that's an important thing that people consider uh, or the voters consider before they let somebody in the hall of fame. And then uh, the 10,363 consecutive plays, uh, which is an NFL record um, being the NFL's iron man. I, I knew that like as an offensive lineman, we just don't have a lot of stats, but just having those few things on my resume, knowing that that's what they're going to talk about in those meetings. I felt really, really good about being in the hall of fame. And really to me, the question became, all right, who else is going to be eligible in that first year with me? And is it going to be one of these years where there's like seven or eight guys who have resumes that are similar to mine, where they have to kind of pick and choose. And then you get a little bit nervous. Um, but I, I felt just strongly once the process was getting down to that finalist list that they were probably going to put me in. And the coolest part, though, knowing even that I was probably going to get in was the fact that my wife knew and she kept it a secret from me. And the surprise knock on the door where nobody in the family except for my wife knew and Walter Jones, who's my idol, came to the door and then my kids thought it was their friends. So they went to the door and they saw Walter <laughs> and then they bounded back to me in the kitchen to tell me, daddy, we made it like sharing that moment. And that experience with them is something I'll never forget the rest of my life. Love it, man. Thank you very much for sharing that. And like, now where's your mindset? Obviously we're Hall of Fame weekend is not like coming up soon, but it is going to come up later this year. Have you kind of started thinking about like the preparations and all that good stuff, like just to make sure you got your mindset for that big day? Yeah. Yeah. You know, going into the finalist process and even right after I got announced as a Hall of Famer, I hadn't really thought a ton about it. Um, but now the Hall of Fame has gone into overdrive. Like they've given you a personal assistant and like we're going down there for a site visit in a couple of weeks. Um, because there is a ton of planning that you don't even realize that you have to make sure you get right, because this is the biggest moment in an individual's football career, which has been, you know, what I've committed my life to is playing football really. Um, and this is, this is like the capstone. And so you want to make sure that everything is right. All the T's are dotted. The I's are, the T's are crossed that the I's are dotted and you're making sure that everybody that you want to be there to celebrate with is going to be there and that they can all have a good time. So there's a lot to, a lot to do between now and August and Canton, but a good thing we got a few months and I got a lot of people that are helping me. Nice, man. One more question before we finish off with the father, quick five for you, obviously going from college to the NFL is a big leap and then retirement. And I know you got a lot of stuff like you were, you know, mission barbecue doing the, the uh, different youth gyms and all that good stuff. You got a lot of things uh, on different um, burners, so to speak, but for you, I, I've seen you do great work in the media and the NFL and all that. 
Was it tougher going from college to the pros or going from the NFL? to? I mean, you have a great personality. Yeah. Obviously you have a podcast with your wife, the, you know, the Badger Bigs and all that good stuff. But like, how, which, which was more nerve wracking going from the like the college to the NFL or the NFL to like working in the media? I'll say it was more nerve wracking going from college to the NFL because the stakes were obviously a lot higher. Like if I didn't do my job, the guy behind me was uh, going to be scraped off the field with a spatula and like rolled back into the infirmary with God knows how many injuries. But the ch more challenge to me, honestly, was going from the NFL to sports media because when you come into the NFL, you have this entire team of people that are there supporting you, trying to coach you up, giving you every resource you possibly need to have success. And they want you to have success. And the success that you have helps everybody on that team. <laughs> but the media world is a little bit different. First of all, you have no coaches. You have nobody telling you like what you do well or what you do wrong. Uh, so you have no direction. You have no idea if I did something good, I did something bad. And on top of that, all your teammates want you to fail so that they can take your job or they also don't want you to succeed. So you take their job. Yeah. So I will say like some of the places that I've worked, namely NFL network, like it is a really good family, a great working environment. We get along really well with everybody that I've worked with. And I think they do a great job. Um, but especially at some of the other places, it's so competitive because there's so few seats available in sports media that people are just so cutthroat and like the person that wants to take your job is going to be the one going, Oh, great job out there today. Everything you said was amazing. I loved when you did this. And then they're going to go and talk trash behind your back. And you'll, you, you just have a hard time making improvement, even if you're seeking it out on your own, yeah. because your teammates don't want to help you because they want your job or they don't want you to take their job. Uh, and really the network just kind of sees you as like, Hey, if you do a good job, great. If not, we'll just go get somebody else. Like there's no draft pick in this person. Like we, most people don't have these huge long contracts where they're committed to you. Like they are in sports, most contracts in media are a year or two. And so, Hey, if you do good, great. If not, we're not going to waste our time coaching you up. We'll just go get somebody else. Yeah, I think that's why the whole Tom Brady contract, like just for me, was just mind boggling. I'm like, I have a background in radio. I was just like, I was like, wow, like that's, he has like, I mean, obviously he's Tom Brady and he's got the panache, right? And people will probably listen to him, but I was like, that's a long deal. <laughs> so I was just like, hey, if you yeah. can get it, you can get it. But like, I appreciate you sharing your honesty on that. Um, Father, quick five, favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? Uh, I would say Christmas Vacation because it's the one that we watch every year right around Thanksgiving after we get our Christmas tree. But also what about Bob is a big family movie that like all the kids love. And we dressed up as the, what about Bob cast for Halloween as well. Well done doing fatherhood. Right. I love it. Favorite family song, or is there a band or an artist you couldn't wait to like show your kids that person's mm -hmm. music? My wife was so excited to show the kids, Britney Spears, uh, cause she was a huge Britney fan growing up. For me, I would say it was Metallica. And actually, my kids love Enter Sandman. And nice. you hear it in a lot of sporting venues still and stuff, which is kind of cool. So I would say those two. Um, but we're like kind of a split family as far as musically. Like both my wife and I, we love country. We all love pop. Um, I don't love Britney Spears quite as much, but I like Britney Spears. My wife loves Hanson, not a Hanson fan, me. Um, and like my kids, like my son loves country. He's not really big into pop or hip hop. 
and my girls they love pop they love hip-hop and they're just kind of lukewarm about country so it is a little bit split but it has been fun like introducing him to new sounds and new music nice describe the perfect family vacation where would it be uh man i feel like we just got back from it we were in uh in mexico uh for the martin luther king holiday and we had like a little vrbo right by the beach and so for six days we'd just go down we'd swim we'd boogie board together we'd body surf we'd go eat we'd go into town walk the market buy like little trinkets from all the little vendors uh pretty hard to beat that i, I think that was probably the best one we'll ever have Nice, man. Sounds amazing. Um, Cooking and barbecue and all that good stuff for you. What is your go? Because when I moved down to North Carolina, it's funny. If you say you're coming, if you say like, hey, you want to come over for a barbecue, they're expecting, you know, <clears throat> ribs, all these other things. East Coast, a, a, you know, barbecue is like hot dogs and hamburgers. I did that oh, once, yeah. like never again here. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Burgers and dogs, what are you doing? So for you, barbecue, yeah, yeah. what is the ultimate spread for you? Yeah. So I was lucky enough that like you growing up in the Midwest, if you barbecue, that just means the grill's on. It's probably hamburgers. It might be steak, but I had plenty of buddies from the South that introduced me to the idea that grilling is different than barbecuing. Barbecuing is really smoking. Grilling is like heating stuff up on the grill. Uh, and so now I had a big offset smoker built by my buddy. And because we raise our own beef cows, like we'll get one or two cows a year or steers that will slaughter. And then, so I've got like all whatever cuts I want, which is really fun. So typically if we were having friends over, I'll do a brisket. That seems to be a huge favorite, especially on that offset. Um, it's, it's hard to get a good like Texas style brisket up North. And so now that I've got it kind of nailed, like that's always a home run. Um, and then I like to do beef ribs on our smoker as well, because they're a little bit more unique um, but they just come out just unbelievably mouthwatering because the care that we take of these beautiful steers is better than most people treat their, their dogs. And so these things like, it's like butter, there's zero stress <laughs> in their life. And, uh, it's basically like eating a stick of butter on a big beef bone. Um, and then I would say you gotta have like some pulled pork shoulder. Mm. It's important because kids a lot of times want a sandwich. They're not going to maybe reach for a, a slice of brisket. Um, and then maybe some type of chicken. So I like chicken wings because a lot of kids like wings or chicken drummies, which is pretty nice. And I'll do like those, the Nashville hot style, yeah. um, on the smoker. And then you got to have your, your pickled veggies, like your, your onions and your pickles. And, um, we like people are eating you know, good when they come see you. That's what, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, mac and cheese. And then I'll do like a, a bean casserole, uh, smoked beans. And then I'll take when I trim the brisket. I'll trim all like the fat off the brisket and then I'll smoke it. So it becomes like bacon almost. <laughs> so you smoke it for about two hours and then you dice it up really small and then you throw it in your baked beans. And uh, then a huge thing of coleslaw because we always love coleslaw. That's our veggie. And then diced jalapenos. And then everyone's happy. Plenty of beer. Nice. Awesome. And Not lastly, hungry. top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Uh, Loving. I would say committed loyal which maybe kind of go hand in hand and i would say hardworking, like because i think it's important as a dad even though i retired from football five years ago that they don't come home from school and see me like laying on the couch watching tv every day because then the they were not there when the hard work happened so i think just learning that if you can be productive in society 
and you can work hard and, and make your own life better and other people's lives better, whether that be through nonprofit work or for-profit work with businesses and stuff, like you should do it because it helps everybody. And it's just a good habit to get into. And it brings also self-fulfillment. No doubt. Great, great three words right there. People, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter and Instagram at JoeThomas73. Make sure his po- you check out his podcast with his wife called The Badger Bigs and all the other great stuff that he's doing, especially at Mission Barbecue and also the different uh, youth gyms as well. Again, appreciate your time. I know you're a super busy guy, but really appreciate your uh, take and honest thoughts about father. And I wish you and your family continued success and looking forward to seeing you uh, be inducted uh, later this year, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Art. Thanks for having me on your show. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net. And please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because I'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.